Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is John 18. When you see something tragic go on in the world, you often think, how is this happening? Who's letting this happen? And even oftentimes people will ask the question, how could God let this happen? Well, today we're really getting into um, describing the most tragic thing that has ever happened. And that's saying something because there have been some massive tragedies throughout the history of the world on a grand scale. And and maybe even personally, you've experienced some tragic things. um, and, And this is not meant to demean any of those things. It's just to say that there is nothing more tragic than God becoming a man. And living the only perfect life that has ever been lived, and he is killed as a criminal. That's messed up. That is the greatest injustice that has ever been. Um, But what I want us to notice, as we're tempted to think in tragedy, where is God in all this? One thing you will see John emphasize again and again over these next um, couple chapters, and especially in this one today, is that God is 100% in control. Jesus is going on his own terms. And we should worship him for that in this passage as we read it, but we should learn to trust that. Whatever tragic circumstances you might go through, Jesus is in control. You can trust him. And so let's look at this together. You see it perhaps most powerfully. You'll see it throughout the passage, but this beginning section is just awesome. Um, because Jesus, they go, they cross the book Kidron and there's a garden and he goes there with his disciples. And we know from the other gospels, there's some prayer that happens there. Uh, um, and Jesus sweating like drops of blood. There's a lot that goes on there that John doesn't talk about, but we get to verse two. Now, Judas who betrayed him also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Even that detail, Jesus, he sets up the last supper. So Judas doesn't know where it's going to be. And and then he goes somewhere. He knows Judas will know he will be. So Jesus even is orchestrating this last night of his life exactly how he wants to. I'm going to get the the time with the disciples that I need. I'm going to get the prayer time that I need. And, And then Judas is going to show up. And then the scene gets even better when they show up and verse four, it says, then Jesus, knowing that all, all that would happen to him came forward and said to them, that's a statement of bravery and courage. He knows he will be beaten, unfairly treated, crucified, but he steps forward into the situation. And he says, whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And really, you could just translate that, I am. I think this is a reference to Exodus 3. They ask, um, he asks who they're seeking, and they say Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus responds with the name of God from Exodus 3. And what happens? They draw back and they fall to the ground. Like the whole group of them have an Isaiah 6 moment where, boom, they they are just floored by the glory of 
God and the power of Jesus's words sends everybody to the ground. And Jesus then after they ask him again, and he says, I told you that I am. He makes it clear that he's even doing this to identify, you're looking for me, let these other guys go. And it says, verse 9, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Um, we see he is fulfilling the scriptures by doing this. He is, again, orchestrating everything exactly the way that he wants it. Um, but then we see Peter, and so Peter is going to kind of be the foil of this chapter. We'll see Jesus perfectly orchestrating everything, but then we'll see Peter in a couple different times fighting against that. And he has a sword, he draws it, he strikes the high priest's servant and cuts off his right ear. And Jesus said to him, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? Um, and so there we see Jesus has the situation under control. Peter's not trusting that. Peter is trying to take the situation under his control. Does that sound familiar? Do you, by any chance, just maybe ever tend to, I mean, occasionally try to take matters into your own hands in your life? Okay, that probably happens a lot. And, and there's a whole long list of ways that you might try to do that. Sometimes violence is one of those ways that we try to take matters into our own hands. We can do that through anger. We can do that for bitterness. We can do that from anxiety. We can do that through prayerlessness. There are so many ways that we can take things into our own hands when we need to trust God. I love how Jesus puts it um, in verse 11 where he says, shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me. Jesus is saying, I will drink the cup that the father has given to me. And now that imagery is used throughout the Bible of the cup. Um, and sometimes even it refers to um, our, our lot in life. Think of David, my cup overflows. Here, Jesus, I think, is speaking even of the wrath of God, the cup of the wrath of God. But I love the way that that is Worded, And it makes me think of the quintessential youth group film, The Princess Bride. And that classic scene, uh, the showdown between Wesley and the wise guy Vicini, uh, and they're going back and forth about which cup is the poison in. And this guy comes up with all the reasons. So this is why I cannot choose the wine in front of you. And this is why I can't choose the glass in front of me. Well, this is what we can know as Christians. Whatever glass, whatever cup the Father puts in front of us, we can drink it. One of the reasons why is because there won't be any wrath in that cup if we are Christians. Jesus drank the cup of the wrath of God for us. Whatever cup the Father puts in front of me, it's not going to have any of the wrath of God in it because Jesus drank all of that for me. And so I can have confidence that whatever situation of life I'm in, God has it under control. I can drink the cup that he has given me, and I don't need to take matters into my own hands. Uh, so th that's kind of the overarching lesson that I want us to see. We'll see some of these similar principles. Uh, Jesus goes then uh, before Annas and Caiaphas, these religious leaders, the high priests of that 
time. It seems that one of them was a former high priest. One of them was the current high priest. And it even reminds us in verse 14, it was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that would it be that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Well, if you rewind the tape back to chapter 11, where this happens, you would see that it, it says he was unwittingly prophesying. So even these guys who are doing something that is very wicked, doing something that is very corrupt, uh, even they are being used by God to accomplish his purposes. Uh, The other thing we'll see here in this is Peter denying Christ. Again, Jesus has it under control. Peter doesn't need to take matters into his own hands by denying Christ, yet he does again. And then we see Jesus being faithful. You see him before the high priest. He makes clear, I have spoken openly. Um, Again, he's not trying to play along with their game in this. Uh, Another one of my favorite scenes from this chapter is when Jesus, they bring Jesus before Pilate and there's this back and forth um, where Pilate goes outside and and talks to the Jewish leaders who they don't want to go into his headquarters so they won't be defiled. So that shows you a little bit of the ridiculousness of the Pharisees. Hey, we want to make sure we're ceremonially clean so we won't go into the governor's headquarters. But in the meantime, we are, oh, by the way, trying to commit murder. So they're totally focusing on the form, the ceremony, and not on their hearts, not on actual moral purity. But then there's this back and forth. So Pilate says to them, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. There's a little bit of bite in those words. Come on, Pilate. We we wouldn't have handed him over to you. And, And then Pilate says, oh, well, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That's, that's Pilate flexing his political muscles. They're giving a little snark, a little bite to Pilate. And he's saying, um, okay, then you take him. Oh, oh, you can't do that. That's, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, so Pilate's flexing here and you see this political tussle back and forth between the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Meanwhile, Jesus is in complete control. And so do you ever get frustrated by political leaders flexing their muscle and not actually doing anything in this world, guess what? Jesus is still in control. And then you see this memorable conversation that Jesus has with Pilate and Jesus says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. And that's a good thing for us to remember. Even now today, his kingdom is not of this world. We are not to advance the gospel through military conquest, but we do it through the proclamation of the truth. And you see, that's what Jesus is all about. He came to bear witness to the truth. And that's the legacy that we should carry on, bearing witness to the truth. Even though our culture is very friendly to the philosophy of Pontius Pilate, our our culture wants to know what is truth. Well, if you remember back to chapter 17, his word is the truth. And that is what we need to proclaim. So a tragic chapter, but I hope you've seen so clearly, Jesus is in control. And that is an always principle. No matter what tragedy is going on, Jesus is in control. You can trust that. You can build your life on that. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.